Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. So, what are we talking about today? All right, we are talking about. What if my client gets paid bi-weekly? How do we handle that in the budget? Yeah, absolutely. So where would you like to start? Yeah, we hear, we hear this a lot, right? And I actually did a little search in the group and this question comes up pretty often. And so is it better to budget? I've got a series of questions, but the first one is, do, is it better to budget <laughs> monthly or by paycheck? Okay. So there is one answer to this and one answer only. This is not an it depends question. <laughs> I can't believe you're saying that. Yeah, that right? right. Are you yeah. feeling well? <laughs> it has to be monthly. And it has to be based on two paychecks in the month. When people are paid biweekly, you have two paychecks that are that oh, sorry, like two months where you're going to get three paychecks in it. What do you do with that third paycheck? Well, it's easier to figure out what to do with extra money than it is to figure out in the other 10 months of the year, how do we make up for a missing third of our money? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And so you, you have to do it. We, we base the entire, you have to base the entire budget on the two paychecks. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was a specific comment from Emily's. One of her clients was sometimes we pay our rent with the check that we got at the beginning of the month. And, but eventually you're paying with the check you received at the end of the previous month. And it got really confusing for them. Yeah. So and paying monthly solves that. Budgeting everything Budget monthly based on two paychecks solves that because when that third paycheck comes in, that paycheck should not go into or stay in the checking account. When that third paycheck comes in, that entire paycheck should be transitioned out of the checking account and moved to, could be a separate savings account, could be another checking account, but we can't view that as part of our monthly income. Because then you start ending up saying, oh, well, I'm going to pay rent next month with the third paycheck and things start to get thrown off. What if they're already living like that and they're living essentially on what she calculate 2.17 paychecks per month? How, what do you recommend for them for that transition? You've got to cut the budget by 0.17. <laughs> There's and, no other option, right? Because what it means is it, if you're living 2.17 paychecks, right? Which Emily's client was, right? If you're living 2.17 paychecks, that means 10 months out of the year, by definition, you are going into debt or drawing down savings. It's the only way that you can do that. Right. right? 
And that creates a lot of stresses during those 10 months out of the year. Right? And sure, you pay off those credit cards in that two months out of the year, or you replenish the savings in that two months out of the year, but it still creates stresses. And when you make a mistake in that scenario and you draw down the savings, even if you're using savings, this is what a lot of coaches will say. No, we can do this 0.17 and just put money aside and draw from it in the other months. But when you make a mistake and you draw from it in those other months and it draws down to zero a month or two before or three months before you actually get to that third paycheck, those mistakes get compounded by your normal spending is 0.17 as well. Right. Right. And you, you have to remember that when people create stress in their lives, this would be a creation of stress. People make poor decisions. And so now you've got stress compounding with oftentimes extra spending. Right. Stress lowers our ability to regulate our impulses. And so people will make more impulsive spending as well. Stress also just makes us make poor decisions in general. And so we may end up with a situation where we don't get as big of a raise as we could have gotten because of right. the fact that we did that. Right. Yeah. So it, it's really important that we take into account the, these factors, right? Okay. So, so you're saying when you get that, allow for those factors, I should say. Right. So, so let's say you have, you've got that month where you have the three paychecks coming, coming in. And it's usually like the last day of the month, right. Or somewhere in there that you get that third paycheck. So we actually had a question that's kind of related to what I, what I was going to say. So I'm just going to ask the question, which is, so let's say you take that paycheck and you move it into a savings account or you move it to whatever that's actually the question. My question is, what are you going to do with that money? But then what, what happens then that, well, it's not four weeks between paychecks. Oh, okay. So it's essentially four weeks. So if you wait, you now are waiting two more weeks to get that next paycheck. Mm -hmm. What if your rent is due on the first, like, how do you make sure you have enough money for that? So this is something that is, okay. So let's answer those two questions separately. So we're going to start. Yeah. They're different. <laughs> yeah. Which one do you want to answer first? Which one do you uh, want to Let's, let's answer the, what do you do with, because you've got four weeks in between paychecks. What do you do with that? Like, how do you account for that? So that third paycheck, if you're saying, put that into savings or put that somewhere, then what do you tell your clients to do while they're waiting for that next paycheck to come in? So what you're going to tell your clients as you're waiting for that next paycheck to come in is you're going, we're going to, we are going to create a situation where we're not, that's not an issue, right? If we are, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like budgeting models that say, use the first paycheck for this and use the second paycheck for that. Yeah. Because it, it's, if we're using the entirety of the first paycheck for rent, then how are we going to buy groceries, right? We can't say, oh, just hold off on eating for a couple of weeks. Right. right. Um, Country challenge. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so what we what we want to do is we want to create a situation where it doesn't really matter when the money is coming in. The money enters the account, flows into the account whenever it flows in, and then it flows out at different periods. Right. One of the ways that we want to do this, one of the ways that we, that I do this with my clients is I have my clients actually have two separate checking accounts. 
and money flows into each of those checking accounts separately. And it's based on the money that is automated versus the money that's not automated. Okay. So like living versus lifestyle expenses? Uh, it's not bigger than necessarily that. living versus lifestyle because their Netflix subscription is still automated. Right. Really automated, right? Right. So it's more about what's the stuff that 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 we can set up an automation for versus what what's that's not. Right? Got it. A lot of most of the money is living expenses because your rent is automatable, and that's the majority yeah. of the biggest expenditure. Yeah. <laughs> your car payments are two other really big expenditures; those are automatable. So yes, it does end up being really, really heavily emphasized on living expenses in the automated side, um, but it doesn't have to be all living expenses. Right, that makes sense. And, and so now what we've got is we know that in order for all of these automations to work, X number of dollars has to flow into the automated account every single month, right? And it doesn't really matter when it flows in as long as we've got it the first month timed correctly. Right. It's the timing. Once, yeah. yeah. Once the first month is timed correctly, everything after that flows perfectly. Now I've seen people say, have your, in fact, that was a common answer with this, which was to have like a buffer essentially in your checking account, kind of what you're talking about being a little ahead. Well, it, in, in the case of this, it's not really that you're being ahead. The automated account would still get spent down basically to zero. Maybe you have a 500 or a thousand dollar buffer, right? But the, the account gets spent down basically to zero, right? Every single month or to 500 or to thousand, right? Right. Because, you know, if you think about it, let's say that in the first month, the money's going to flow in and we've got $4,000 worth of expenses and $2,000 flowing in each, each twice, a, twice a month, right? right? So the first month, all $4,000 gets spent out, timing works out, and that $2,000 paycheck comes in. Some of that flows out. The next $2,000 paycheck comes in. Some of that flows out. And then the next $2,000 paycheck flows in, not on the first, but on the fourth or the fifth. Right. Provided that the timing worked out in the first month, any variation from then forward is going to be compensated by the normal variation, meaning... If we didn't run out of money in that first month, right? And we have a, a three times a month pay period, right? When that three times a month pay period comes in, if you take that third paycheck out, we still have the same $4,000 flowing in in that month. And the same $4,000 will flow in the next month. But what if the rent pays out on the first, but the paycheck doesn't come until the fourth? So this is where you have to not have, think of money flowing out on the 1st through the 31st, right? It's yeah. during any given four-week period, this is the amount of money that would flow in. And if we're thinking about it from a four-week period standpoint, then the money would have flown in, flown in early in the previous month, leaving extra money there on the 1st. Okay. Right. So we can't think of it like first through the 31st. We want to think about it in four week periods. Right. 
right? Because then, then you, you would have extra money, a buffer, if you will, but that's the yeah. money just hasn't flown out yet. <laughs> right. It's, it's sort of more a timing buffer than a, a money buffer. Exactly. It's a timing. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Uh, the other, and the other thing is you could have a larger buffer and just make that part of the emergency fund calculation. Right. <laughs> that's what I've done with clients. <laughs> and that's, exactly that's what I've done. Oftentimes that's a much easier thing to do than mathematically figuring out the timing buffer. Yeah. Just they, you, you want them to have that emergency fund anyway. So why not just keep it in there? Yeah. yeah. As long as they don't spend it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's how you, that's how you kind of deal with it from that perspective, right? Is yeah. A money buffer is fine. Just make sure you're reducing the, the emergency fund by the amount of that money buffer. Right. Yeah. Or the timing. Yeah. yeah. The timing buffers are more complex, right? I will hundred percent admit to that. <laughs> so the money buffer may be easier to implement. So David says he's still a little confused about it. If there's a way he could call in. To ask the question more clearly, do you want me to? Yeah, we can have him call in. Sure. Okay. I can <laughs> see an interesting I'll, way of doing it. I'll send him the info while we are continuing asking. Question. Yeah, we'll do the second question. Yeah. Which is the, what do we do with that money, with that third paycheck? Yeah. And so remember earlier when I said it's more fun to figure out what to do with extra money than to try to figure out how you're going to deal with not enough money, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That becomes a conversation. And a wonderful date night conversation of, we got this extra paycheck, what do we want to do with it? Right. And that can be, well, we can, you, you want to think of that extra money the same way you would think of a Christmas bonus, or the same way that you would think of, if you got a tax refund, what you would do with a tax refund. Right. Yeah. That is, do we want to accelerate some goals? Do we want to pay down some key debt? more. Most likely that's a goal. Yeah. Uh, we want to go out and treat ourselves to a night out on the town, which is a totally valid, worthwhile expense. Right. Do we want to put that money toward a, you know, we have a goal of going to Disney world. Do we want to put that money toward upgrading our hotel rooms? Right. You know, augment certain goals. And I think it's important, especially as financial coaches and guiding clients, that we have a balance between spending on the now and spending on the future when that extra money comes in. Right. I am not a huge fan of living a life of poverty in order to have a life of um, excess later. Right. There's all sorts of economics reasons why that's a bad idea, but there's a huge there's also a huge psychological sticking to the plan reason, which is people will only take vows. Generally, people will only take vows of poverty for so long. Hmm. And you can always point to, well, I did it or this other person did it. True. There are also people who are nuns and priests, but the majority of people are not nuns and priests. Yeah. Right. And then the, the final reason is, you know, not to bring religion into it, but there is sort of a religious and a, but also an economic perspective of that's kind of like counting on you're going to have tomorrow. Yeah. Right. There's very much a, I am, I am living as though tomorrow is guaranteed. If I'm going to only be spending on my future and not spending on my present. And yeah. And 
Yeah, go ahead. No, go. I was just gonna. I was gonna give an example of mm-hmm. how I've lived my life essentially, kind of that way. And we're military. We've talked about that before. My husband retired six years ago now, I think, and we never had a regular income. So I think he he was paid biweekly, I believe, or was it bimonthly back then? I don't remember now. <laughs> but anyway, we would always get you know whenever he deploy, we'd get tax-free money. We would get hazardous duty pay. So just depending on what happened, we never knew ahead of time how much we would get for any given year. Taxes were impossible to figure out for us. So we would always treat the extra money as like a bonus. And it was, it was every, every deployment, we would buy something off of our wish list. And it was something, first one was like a little, like a fancy coffee maker. And then with the rest of the money, we would use it for a goal that we were saving for. So whether it was savings for a house or paying off debt, whatever it is, we had goals. that So we would kind of split it however we felt made sense. So, and we've essentially lived this way. Um, also the third paycheck idea. I'm happy to hear I was doing it right. Cause I wasn't sure what you were going to say. I was like, oh good, I did it right. Yeah. We basically lived off of the two, the two paychecks per month. And then the third one was just a bonus and use it for something special or typically a combination of something that we wanted to buy in combination with a goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's important to balance between those two. Yeah, I agree too. And I tell my clients that too. Balance is important. Okay. That. So we have David. Do we want David to? Yeah, unmute? let's have David. Yeah. Okay. Hey guys, can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, thanks for letting me come on. I was trying to figure out how to like articulate, you know, my question. I'm really glad you guys are doing this presentation because I have been trying to figure this out as well. So most of my clients are military people and we get paid on the 15th and the 31st. So it's super duper easy to budget. But I recently had a client who is retired military and at his new job and his wife's job, they are paid bi-weekly. And it, it worked out only because his pension is large enough and it hits once a month that they are able to pay all of their like core expenses out of that. Oh, that's a lovely thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. Where do they live? Virginia. Okay. So now that being said, his situation is a little bit unusual. He did, you know, 30 years and he retired as an E9. So his pension is quite large. For a lot of military people, you know, their pension might only be $2,000 a month and it's probably not enough for them to pay all of their core expenses out of. So, So my question is this, you know, like, let's say... So I asked this question because I think that most people are not, you know, diligent enough to be able to, you know, put extra money into, say, a checking account to anticipate, you know, kind of fluctuations. So what I mean by that is, let's say that you get that third paycheck in a month. I agree. What you should do with that is take it, you know, throw it into savings, throw it into investments, pay off debt, whatever the case may be, because you should not get used to budgeting off of that because it only happens twice a year. That being said, you know, you get paid on the 1st, you get paid on the 15th, and then you get paid on the 29th, that third paycheck. If you go and put that into savings or something like that, that person is going to go essentially four weeks, you know, between paychecks. And for things like like groceries is a big budget. You know, let's say you spend 600 a month on groceries. So you took away $300 from the first paycheck, $300 from the 15th paycheck. Well, now you've got four weeks where you're not, you know, able to put money into that grocery, you know, line item. So that was kind of, that was kind of the, the, the question that I was asking is, you know, cause the, the, the mathematical answer is, well, Hey, you don't put $300 a month into that checking account. You put, you know, 350 or whatever the math works out to be that way during the two months out of the year where you have to go four weeks without putting mm-hmm. money in you kind of built up that buffer. But I think that most people are not 
most people are not going to say to themselves, hey, I'm only going to spend 300 out of the 350 that I put into my grocery budget because I need that $50 extra a month to trickle up so that when I get to that you know, period of time where I'm going to go four weeks between putting it in there, I will have that buffer. I think that most people are not, you know, I guess, restrained or diligent enough to do that. I don't know if my question makes any sense. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think I've got it. And I'm going to give you an answer and you tell me whether or not it hits the mark. Okay. Okay. So this is one of the reasons why the having the second the secondary account that's automated is so important. The vast majority of the of the finances that we're looking at are that we're dealing with, this problem doesn't show up. Right. We don't have to have this problem. It doesn't show up for electric bill. It doesn't show up for you know rent. It doesn't show up for car payments. It doesn't even show up generally for our normal everyday spending. Right. If we're spending, for example, you know, $200 a month on getting gifts for kids. Right. It doesn't show up for those types of gifts because it's still just, oh, we're spending $200 a month and we don't spend gifts for kids on a daily basis. Right. Groceries is one of the few areas where it will show up. And the reason why it's so important to have this separated and thinking about it this way is because now what we've done is we've isolated the problem to that one line item. And that one line item where we can't say, well, just don't eat for two weeks. Right. That one line item. Now, all we're dealing with is the expense of that one line item. Right. And we've isolated everything else and separated it so that exactly what you're talking about, the discipline doesn't need to be there for anything else. And with that, when we have that extra paycheck, remember I said we need to sit down and figure out what are we going to do with that money and some of it should be spending on today. Guess one of the th- guess what's one of the things that we should discuss spending on today? Gotcha. Right. And so when that third paycheck comes in, the reason why we don't want to say, hey, just put all that third paycheck into a savings account is exactly what you're talking about. Well, we've got to buy groceries. All right. Well, we've got the third paycheck. It's a $2,000 paycheck. 300 of that is going to go to groceries for our two-week grocery budget for this particular two weeks. And we that's one of the decisions we're going to make with that $2,000. But it's not going to come out of the other accounts, it's going to come out of this extra money that we've got. And then we're still making decisions on the rest of it of what are we going to do with the other 1700, right? Does that, does that address everything that you're thinking about? Or did I miss something important? No, that's perfect. And when you, I think that you're right. There are only a handful of things like maybe groceries and gas that are sort of, yeah, yeah, that for, for most everything, you're essentially just budgeting half of it on the first, half of it on the 15th, or, you know, between those two paychecks. And then on the months that you have the third paycheck, some of it will have to go to those sort of, I don't know what you call those irregular expenses, maybe. Yeah, they're the irregular required daily expenses, meaning we we don't go through toy purchases on a daily basis, but we definitely go through our grocery purchase on a daily basis as we're eating meals. We go through our gas purchases on a daily basis as we're driving. So that's how I characterize them. Gotcha. That was really helpful. Let me ask you a question for you guys. When you're working with your clients, do you do you generally encourage them to have like different checking accounts for different things? Like, like for that client that was retired, you know, I encourage them to make like a, a core bills checking account. His pension went directly into that, so that you know his mortgage, his utilities, you know, et cetera, et cetera, 
that could all be paid out of that baseline account and then have different checking accounts, you know, for things like, you know, car savings. There was another one he wanted date night. You know, he wanted to dedicate on every week to date night. And so I said, well, hey, make a checking account for it and pre-fund that as soon as you get paid so that there's always money there for that. Do you guys do the multiple checking account things or what's your method? So we both use, so first off, I do use multiple checking accounts, but it's not to that level of detail. Me too. So there's an automated checking account and then a, we'll call it a variable expense checking account, right? Things that can't be automated. Within that, we both use Money Coach. And so what that means is, and so what that allows us to do is it allows us to say, when we look at all of the accounts combined, how much has been spent on date night, as an example. And then both ourselves and the client can see this is how much has been spent so far. And I highly encourage clients that if you have spent all of the money that you were planning on spending for date night, and then someone gets a raise at work and you want to celebrate by going out for an extra date night. Now you got to raise at work, meaning the money hasn't come in yet, mm. but you've already spent. In fact, let's just say that it was a really, really big date night month and you've already spent over your budget. Okay. I encourage clients go out on date night, spend extra money, spend, you know, go, go beyond the budget. Don't even fret about it. Don't even think about it. And you mean for money that you know is going to come soon, not oh, like no, this six is not even money now. that's going to come soon. Oh, okay. So well, I just I had clients that had money. They they were pretty sure they're going to get a raise in six months from now, but it's not one hundred percent set in stone, and they were spending yeah. it already. No. That's not good. No, yeah, this is this <laughs> is not money that's going to be coming soon. It doesn't even matter if the money is not going to come for six months. And it doesn't okay. matter, it's not going to come at all <laughs> because they've spent, let's say they had a thousand dollars in their budget for date nights and they've already spent 1200, but they got a big promotion and it's not going to take into effect for three months. So they're not going to see the money for three months and things could change, but they still want to celebrate and go out for another $500 dinner. By all means, go out for that extra $500 dinner. Yeah. Money just has that to make sense more. So the question is, where do you want that money to come from? And you look at the rest of the, of the spending categories to be able to identify, all right, yeah, let's go out for this, but it just means that we're not going to, I don't know, we're not going to take the kids out to Chuck E. Cheese, right? So we're going to switch date night for Chuck E. Cheese, I, whatever, the, the, whatever the, the trade-off is, right? I don't really care if they go over a particular category. In fact, for things that I think are important, I, I would encourage it. We just have to figure out where that money is going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, I really appreciate you guys answering that. I'm going to hop off and then go back to viewing it. But yeah, it was just easier to articulate, you know. Hey, we appreciate you asking yeah, thank the you. really good question. And yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. thanks. Okay. I think we're, we're almost out of time here. Do we have time for one more question? Yeah, do you have one more question? Yeah, because we started. One more question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's have an example here of somebody who doesn't have an established track record yet. So they they just started a new job and it relies on commissions. Ooh. And so it's not just an irregular amount that's going to come in, but it's also going to come in irregularly. 
Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you recommend for that case? So in, in that case, what we need to do is we need to put up some firewalls between the commissions and the personal finances so that we're not creating stress. Okay. I work with a lot of business owners. Businesses have ups and downs throughout the year. And there's a lot of firewalls that we put up to make the ups and downs of the business finances not be a component of the personal finances. If we're starting a job that is a commission job, commission-oriented job, number one, you this is more of a career planning perspective than anything else, but you you should not, you should really encourage clients if they really don't have an idea of what their commissions are going to be that maybe this isn't a good career move for them, right? I would argue that most people who are in commission sales and go and take a new job have a very, very good idea of what their expected baseline is going to be. And yes, it could be more, but they've got a very strong idea of it. People who have never worked in a commission type environment don't really understand it, right? And so it feels scarier than it does for people who are sales reps. I'll give a good example of this, which is, you know, you take on a new job at a new restaurant as a server, but you've been working as a server for 10 years, right? Yeah, you don't know exactly what your commissions are going to look like, or your, your, your tips are going to look like at that new restaurant, but you've got a really good idea of what months are going to be the high months, what months are going to be low months, what you can expect tip-wise based on the uh, size of the uh, the value of the menu, the costs on the menu. And, and restaurant servers have a pretty good idea going in, even though they might, might not have the exact information. They've got a pretty good idea going into a brand new job. And so what I would do is push back on, are we? do we really not have an idea? Or is it that we're afraid of saying something because we don't want to set a, a, an expectation for ourselves that we can't meet and then feel bad about it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And I had, I had a client that moved from a, a toxic job to a commission job, but he had a base salary. And so he, right. he knew he had a minimum salary and he was, he had an idea of how much that commission might be, but he was very scared to like, it, he, I might not make anything extra. And, and he yeah. naturally is a salesman. I think you're going to do fine. Yeah. So we kind of talk through, okay, what's that minimum you think it might be? And even the worst possible case, okay, well, you only bring in an extra $1,000 a month. Worst, worst case, you're terrible right. at it. You're still doing okay. And you can still budget for that. So just even evaluating that, that baseline can be comforting for people to not have that pressure, right? Of the, the commissions. Yeah. I think that model is really good. And then adding a second layer to it which is here's your baseline budget. And as you make, as you get into the job and as you work on things, let's have some budget items that you've toggled off, right? That will toggle back on or your baseline budget for dining out is this, but it's going to range from $500 a month to $3,000 a month. And we will dial that up from the $500 to the $3,000 a month as we figure out what your budgets are going to be. 
Right. And you could even prioritize those things that you toggled off, right? And say, okay, well, if we get this much, then we're going to do these three things, right? So it just right. depends yeah. on what's important. Yeah. So, yeah, I would really push the client to say, okay, what is a realistic conservative estimate? And yeah. then what is a realistic estimate? And then what is a realistic optimistic estimate? And then just build some budgets that have ranges or toggles that move us through the pessimistic, the realistic, and the optimistic. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, that's all the questions I had. Thank you, Emily, for filling in for Garrett's shoes. And thank you, David, for popping in. Yeah. But subscribe to our podcast. You'll get this and all the other ones as well. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Good- thanks, everybody. Thanks for all your questions. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.